Hello, and today you're at the Flix team of Jeff and Graham are in Stroud to talk to Andy Friedman. Now, Andy is the co-founder of the Stroud Film Festival. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Hi. Nice to hear from you, Jeff. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Fingers crossed that the uh, circumstances will be fine for the festival actually to go ahead, and we're excited that it's going to be in person. Oh, that's brilliant. Nothing online? You have to be there then, yeah? On the website, we're putting a few short films free on the website as of now, but all the actual screenings will be in person. We did online last year. Some of it was actually very good, but I think the appetite for being in a real cinema experience, big screen, live audience, are something very important to us. Not only that, if I may say that given streaming platforms and so on, quite a lot of films are available in the world, but we've got a lot of Q&As this year, so a chance actually to meet with directors, and that's something you can't get on Netflix. No, that's right, and that's always been, I mean, we've spoken over the last couple of years, and one of the things that always impresses me in our conversations and being at the festival is basically your mission statement is, you know, we do things and give you experiences you can't get from TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know how busy you are at the moment. And I do appreciate the time you've given us today. So thank you very much for that. No, you're very welcome. Let's cut to the quick. What are the dates of the festival this year? 4th to the 27th of March. But there are four lead-in events happening during the month of February, which are designed to kind of whet the appetite and you know raise publicity and so on. That's quite exciting too. Some of those are really, really exciting events. So to find those events, I know you've got a really first-rate programme booklet that's out there. People that are online, where can they find it? www.stroudfilmfestival.org And you can book tickets online there? Absolutely. Everything's bookable and there are a few of those short films on online section. All have a connection with Stroud. They're either about Stroud or by Stroud filmmakers or made in Stroud. But there's something just for people to have a look at before the festival itself starts. So I'm going to put you on the spot straight away and say, what headline special events have you got planned this year? I would be very interested to go to Sisters with Transistors, which is a film about electronic music, the history of the women who were particularly involved in kind of the origins of electronic music. And we have Lisa Rovner, the director, is coming. There's a Q&A session afterwards, which is chaired by Edith Bowman, whom some of you will have heard of from being on the radio. And to be honest, if I, I can check the tickets, and that's already um, selling, and that's on the 5th of March. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely be there for that one. Anything else you want to mention at this stage? I mean, on the very last day, there's a, a very special Sonic Silence, which is this great bluegrass band from Wiltshire. But actually, I say Wiltshire, but it kind of got global reputation. And they're playing silent film scores, which they've composed, to some really classic silent movies from kind of 19... I'm looking here, 1915, 1916 properly from the kind of classic silent era. So that's a, a night to, to savour. You can't see that on Netflix. <laughs> uh, uh, since we did this two years ago, the last film festival, the world changed. And I think all ex exhibition is now going, oh, well, has it been on a platform? Will people want to come and see it? Will they want to come and pay to sit in an audience if they've seen it through their subscription, which is a, a good question. But another thing that you can't see 
online anywhere, is The Last Cuckoo Night, which is poetry on film and poetry on stage at the Stroud subscription rooms. There's a whole collection of classic Stroud poets who are on film and also some other poets. There's a filmmaker, Mark Chaudois, and one of his specialities is documentaries about poets. So Kay Tempest, for example, is there's a film about, about them. And also Stroud has Dennis Gould is an absolute legend in Stroud. Elvis McGonagall, a poet who's on Radio 4 quite often. He'll be there. Johnny Fluffy Punk. So that will be something. It's a, it's a, it's a, a big old do. It's a celebration of poetry in all its forms. But in particular, the documentary about the poet is something that's particularly um, exciting. I remember a couple of years ago, it was at the launch event when uh, a filmmaker had done a film about Johnny Fluffy Punk and his relations within his family. And that's always stayed with me. It's a very powerful film. And it's good to see Johnny's getting more and more recognition. I even seen him on TV not so long ago. Yeah, It's good he's getting that recognition out there because I think he deserves it. I totally agree. I mean, he's, he's a, I say, he's a Stroud legend, a fixture. I mean, he does do the circuits. He's obviously had a difficult time because if you're a performer, you know, lockdown was, was terrible. But he's always got lots of fresh new material. So it's, uh, yeah, absolutely deserved. And Elvis McGonagall as well. I mean, Elvis is also a big film fan. And he's actually introduced a couple of Scottish films because he's, I mean, he's probably as Glaswegian. And uh, and he's got a band, so he's kind of multi-talented. He's got everything. He? he has, got, <laughs> yeah. But just to say, being on Radio Four, you know, that's that's a thing, isn't it? He's a, yeah, it is. That's three things I've given you, but there, there's there's so much. There's thirty plus events. Can I just say this year, young people who I think have been a little bit neglected by us in the past. So we have, in the spirit of giving over the levers of of programming. We've got a couple of young programmers who are 19, and we said to them, here's a screen, here's a venue. We've got the facilities and resources. Book a film and kind of like get your peer group to come. That's happening. And they chose, they had completely free reign, they chose Napoleon Dynamite. How was school? Worst day of my life. What do you think? <laughs> Idiot. What kind of bike do you have? It's a sledgehammer. Dang. You ever take it off any sweet jumps? <laughs> Great. So Napoleon Dynamite is something that they saw. They don't think all their peers have necessarily seen it, but quite a lot of the older generation will go, oh, yeah, I remember that. So programmed by people who are in the demographic rather than by older people going, we think the young people might like this. So that's a thing. The same two they're called Jimmy and Evie, are putting on a night of short films by young filmmakers. It's one of the pre-festival events. So there'll be kind of 20 short films that's going on. In addition, we're for the first time having a relaxed screening. That is a screening for people of all abilities and, and with particular needs. It's going to be at Lansdowne Hall. It will be, you know, you can stand up and move around. The lights will be up a little bit. And it's in collaboration with the Stroud charity All Sorts, which is for the families of children who've got additional needs. And they chose, so we didn't choose this, they had a kind of poll amongst themselves, the greatest showman. So that'll be on one on a Saturday afternoon at Lansdowne Hall. 
and it'll be a relaxed screening aimed at kids. But I mean, anyone can come, you know, in terms of kind of inclusion and talking to people. We're not, we're, again, we're not going, this is what you'd like, isn't it? We said to them, what do you think you'd like? And they did, so they did a poll amongst their, their members. And the, the other young person's event is local musicians, young musicians have been invited to compose and perform live soundtracks for some different silent movies working with a local musical director so there's going to be some sort of 16 to 22 year olds playing music they've composed while we watch Melies real 1902 movies from you know the kind of classic history of of silent cinema a trip to the moon that Mm. one that's one of them and that's in the program in fact the still from that a number of things connected with young people in film and lastly Interfilm, that's the Young People's Film Charity, we've got four events for schools, for screenings, all of which are happening at the Wooten, the Electric Picture House Cinema. And so anyone who's a teacher or works with, with groups of young people can book those. They're free. And there's some really interesting, fresh films aimed at people in schools and colleges. I'll, I'll put the word out there. Wow, that's a lot. I, I want to pick a little bit of that, if I may. The first thing you mentioned about The Greatest Showman, and I find that an interesting film. I find that works with an audience, yet every time I've seen it on TV, it's not so good. It's a film that definitely needs an audience to get Mm. the real power out of it. I think you're absolutely right. If you read the introduction written by David Yates, he kind of goes, comedy works much better in front of a live audience. Then he goes, so does horror. And then he goes, well, actually, come to think of it, so do all genres. But I think that in particular, and part of going to see a film is that communal experience. And I think that film, I mean, it is also about entertainment and the circus and so on. So I I think it's no coincidence that that film is all about the sort of the live. I think it kind of exemplifies what we were talking about earlier, about that uh, real live audience. Yeah, and, and I would say to anybody listening, if you've only seen The Greatest Showman on TV, then I would really recommend coming along and see it with an audience. You'll be surprised at how much more you will enjoy it. So definitely. Now, the mention of the word relaxed as well, because, uh, I mean, you and the programmers, you haven't probably unrelaxed in months with all of this. (laughs) You're running 12 views across Stroud this year. I mean, how much organising has that taken to achieve? Uh, To be honest, it's the model... It's quite effective, partly because it gives a level of autonomy to a range of different venues who are at liberty to program within certain constraints material they think would work with their audiences. It takes a little bit of the pressure off the central team who are going, we think this. Everyone's invested in the choice of screening. And and secondly, it's like, yeah, they do own those screenings. So we are acting like a kind of coordinating, can you be a coordinating umbrella? <laughs> uh, but um, you know, we all, the, the the website, the program, the, the the calendar, all that is put together by ourselves, by the kind of core team. But the actual choice of the movie, in many cases, will be something which the venues come up with. So it's a kind of confederation, which is why there's a bit of you know work involved in keeping people all working together. But we don't have to kind of book the projector or make sure that the kind of prints arrive for each film because someone else is actually doing that as their as their role and selling tickets. I mean, there's a big central project and a publicity machine. But additionally, I mean, Stroud Brewery are putting on two films and they will be having 
their own Stroud Brewery audiences coming through. And they will be seeing the publicity for those two films, but also the knock-on, the kind of the synergy is that people will also find out about the film festival and find out about other films that are on. So it's that's the kind of the positive, the kind of amplifier effect, and that you go and see film X, and then you find out about films, you know, kind of YZ and ABC. And a lot of this are things that you cannot see on TV or on a streaming platform. Even if the actual film might be out there, the experience you're going to get is something unique. Yes, yeah, I agree. I'll go back to pick or unpick another aspect of what you've spoken about, and you were speaking about the music and the live soundtracks, the silent films. Now, again, regular listeners of the podcast will know I'm a huge fan of film music, and I've marked out a number of events that I cannot miss. That was one of them, and that, as you say, is on March 25th. But you've also got one on the art of sound in cinema on March the 20th, and that touches on a number of post-production tasks, including composing. What can you tell us about that event? Filmmaker Joe McGee, who recently produced a short, he's produced a range of drama shorts, has worked with sound designer Tom Jacob, who's local to Stroud, and they spent a long time looking at sound design. And then the event is going to be a kind of journey through sound design, plucking on kind of excellence from a whole range of different genres and a range of different musicians and sound designers. So it is going to be what we see and what we hear but obviously the importance of what we hear I think increasingly over recent last decade it's been getting some of the credit it it undoubtedly deserves so it's going to be an exploration into work they've made but also talking about you know composers that we probably heard of and also of course some more recent work by by people who are very skilled musicians I mean Hitchcock talked about the imagination being a kind of enormous tool in the repertoire of the of the film director but also that you know the audio it's massive and i think i mean people know about this but it'll take us on a on a journey through that what in what's involved with sound design as you said score is part of it and foley is another part of it the whole range of different techniques which are as i say they're invisible obviously they're invisible because they're they're audio but i think people now realizing more and more how important they are and is Joe going to be basing that around the film he made on the ice cream? That's that's part of it, yes. The thing called No Sherbet. No Sherbet, yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah, we've seen um, that. Yeah, which is, which is, I thought it was a very good film. But this is, they've just made, it's called Jackpot, which is set in an amusement arcade on Barry Island. And that'll be getting its sort of festival premiere. But it's, it's a short, it's a drama short. But as I say, there'll be clips from all a whole range of different um films that have got intriguing and exciting examples of, of sound design. Yeah, No Sherbet is out there on YouTube. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I would highly recommend watching it. It is so funny. It has got a couple of quite well-known actors in it who are it's Keith good. Allen's in there, yeah. Yes. Um, it's not one for the kids, I will <laughs> say that, before you start watching it. So sticking with music, you've got Martha Tilston at the festival on March the 18th, and she's going to be talking about and showing her film The Tape. And I believe a lot of her music was recorded on set. I mean, this sounds like a real coup for the festival. You must be really pleased. We're really pleased with this. Yeah, she was in Stroud before and then moved to Cornwall. She's both filmmaker and a musician. And so she's she's made this film set in Cornwall called The Tape, which is about a character who is both a cleaner doing kind of cleaning jobs to earn money and, and a musician. 
at the event, this is this will be the, certainly be the Stroud premiere. She will also do a set afterwards. So there's a Q and A and then some songs. So that was you playing just now. Yeah, that was me. You are the wilderness. I'm Tally. Yeah. He's a corporate lawyer, and I'm like chaos in wellies. Does he spark something in you? You're making this album and you're not doing anything with it. Do we all have to be like little salesmen? Is that what it is? As I say, it's terrifically exciting, and she is a kind of, you know, she's an auteur, and a, and a what's the word, a multi-skilled creative person. So, uh, yeah, it's... You, you, I don't think you can see that on Netflix either. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to yeah. say that. Any, just, any, yeah. any chance straight after the film, you got a chance to ask the the director, the star, the musician, any questions direct? No, you can't do that on Netflix. No, no. I guess it's, all, in a sense, part of what we're offering because I think all exhibitors are acutely aware of the fact that what what is out there on streaming platforms, some of it's actually very good. And there's also a range of, you know, independent films and, you know, quite kind of uh, non-mainstream stuff and really excellent material. It's not just like it's the sort of mainstream commercial titles. It's a pretty, it's a pretty broad range of things that, that, that the live cinema, as it were, is, is having to compete with. Yes. Yeah. And I, again, we go back, I know I'm repeating myself, but that's what makes Stroud unique. It is yeah. a festival, the like of which... I don't think, you know, I've been to Bath, Bristol, Cheltenham. They don't deal with film festivals in the same way that Stroud does, which, I, which is, to me, puts it above and beyond. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate those, uh, those kind words. I'd say we're doing our best. And uh, we have also, obviously, like everyone else, had to work through a two-year gap. That was strange. We, we did put on some online events, one of which was a film about Nepal, and in the online event, there was a live Q&A, well, live, an online Q&A afterwards. And we had one of the participants in this documentary called Children of the Snowland live from Kathmandu doing a Q&A. That was, that was pretty, um, pretty special. You couldn't have done that in, a, in the live cinema world. So online did have some pluses. But uh, it is, as I say, we've, we've been on a journey like everyone else yeah. and delighted to be back. Now... Modesty almost forbids me from talking about the next film for reasons that will become apparent shortly. <laughs> you, you have a film in the festival called Chasing Mandela's Rainbow. Director Gary Janks is coming to the festival to give a Q&A. And I say modesty because I'll be the one giving the Q&A to Gary. What are your thoughts? I've seen the film, so I know what it's all about. What, are, you, are you looking forward to this one? Very much. Uh, I mean, yet again, it's a film which uh, isn't, that widely available we have the director doing a Q&A and this is a kind of really uh, unusual and interesting film I mean these are films which kind of raise questions um, I mean a number of the festival films do this film can be an extraordinary way of of asking questions and raising topics in a way that isn't kind of academic or very kind of dry or it's an exciting way of getting people thinking it's inspiring sometimes thought-provoking so that's i think that we're going to be um have our thoughts provoked by by that event and but i say it's always amazing to get a director of a film like this which is 
had, as I say, some release, but not not that much. And it, no. so this was definitely people's first experience. But it does come with incredibly good recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we've seen it, Graham and I, both found it at times shocking, not in terms of shocking of what's shown on screen, but what they're telling us, what they're relating to us about these people. I can also say for anybody coming along, Gary will be giving the update as to where the three children are that we follow, where they are now. Again, it's something you won't find anywhere else, but it's a very moving experience. Gary's very passionate about it. We've done an interview with him in the past. It's on one of our podcasts, and he did get quite emotional during that podcast at various times. So I think that it's it's going to move a lot of people. I mean, that's why, we, why it's there, because it's kind of feels like it's important and thought-provoking. And people have said there's quite a lot of serious films in the festival this year, which is true. And I don't think we're apologising for that. That's what's emerged, for, as it were, from the umbrella. That's what various, you know, the stakeholders, including Stroud Film Society, have chosen to, to screen. And if people come away thinking a bit differently or a bit more about aspects of the world we're living in, then then good. They haven't just watched a bit of... Um, you know, commercial studio genre entertainment, which yeah. it was kind of like past the time. I think we're hopefully taking or enabling people to kind of go to places which yeah. will be. And that's the else. basis of a really good film festival is to enjoy yeah. it, be part of the community, but come away with more questions and answers. Yeah, more stuff, less fluff. Thank yeah, you. That's very good, Graham. <laughs> you write that down. Yeah, uh, I'll just. I'm just copywriting that right now. Excellent. Uh, and also, but but there are some things coming back that I'm always pleased to see. And I notice that Goods on Paper, the gallery is doing film posters reinterpreted again. Absolutely. And, it, and in fact, that's really Imogen and Mark, more than Good on Paper. I mean, Good on Paper began this as a concept about five years ago, which was to invite local artists and designers to reimagine a film poster. We had one in 2020, which was on for two days at the Stroud subscription rooms before lockdown ended it. And some of those posters will be in this show, which is at Stroud Valley's Art Space, starting on the 18th. But there's new material as well. And it's a chance for people to have a look at work by local artists. And it's a really interesting project, design a film poster from a film that we're all familiar with. A poster always says things about a film, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. And there are some classic ones, but you always have to choose, you know, kind of maybe two or three elements of the film and, and you know, use those as the kind of visual material. Then you've got things like, you know, the, the typography. That, that speaks volumes. And the film posters are very, there's a lot of conventions about it, what you have, you know, actors' names here and the title of the film. And within that very kind of highly evolved constraints there's a huge amount of space for creativity and of course people can have a look they can also buy a print and they're mm. pretty inexpensive and that's a nice thing to have on your on your wall anyway, be, you know it's original obviously the idea is you know recognizable so it's both a piece of work by an artist which relates you know so if you've got people walking around your house looking at the wall like oh I, I, I don't remember this. And it's like, no, you won't have seen it before because it's a reinterpretation. Yeah, yeah. The 12 Monkeys poster is the one uh, for me that really stays with me. That was just a, a novel way of advertising that film. Are there any other events you'd like to bring to our listeners' attention? 
Well, uh, just finishing off the music theme, Folk Britannia is on at Hawkwood, which is a classic documentary from a couple of decades back about the kind of the folk scene in Britain. That's going to be really interesting. And also at Hawkwood, they've got Filmmaker's House, which is documentary maker Mark Isaacs is a pretty cutting edge documentary maker, does a lot of these observational documentaries. And um, Filmmaker's House, they've got a lot of camera in position for kind of weeks and months. But it's at the time just before Brexit and in and out of his house in London. There's some builders coming in and out and there's a cleaner who's come from you know, Eastern Europe. And that's, there's a whole kind of melting pot and all these people kind of interacting. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful, actually, if it's kind of understated. So that's that's interesting. So what was that one again? Sorry, Andy? Filmmaker's House. Mm, okay. okay. And yep. what date is that on? Filmmaker's House, which is on the uh, 10th of March at Hawkwood. And we're excited to say that Mark Isaacs, the director, will also be doing a Q&A at that film too. And in fact, about half the events have a, a Q&A with the director and more have got a discussion or input from speakers which enhance the, uh, the the experience. There's also, of course, a range of films that have been put on around food, health, and kind of farming and climate. And there's some, you know, often films about climate emergency can be quite upsetting and depressing. And there are a few films here which I think people will feel a little bit better about. And there's offering some some ways forward. And given what we've had, you know, the, the, the experience we've been through in lockdown, things about health and and diet and well-being, these are all kind of educational, but that some of them are like, you know, there's been a, a lot of research and some interesting new work's been brought to light through film. And that's the sort of starting point for the conversation. Yeah, that, that, and, and I find that interesting because climate is is a subject that if you get it, too negative people just give up and say well what's the point you've got to give that hope to be able to say if you change now if you change in this way you can make a difference and from the sound of it these films are doing that yeah i mean there's there's um some lovely things about regenerative agriculture which is all around the world saudi arabia china how with the right kind of approaches things that were desert have now been restored but on a more local level there's films about repair cafes which is obviously about the environment, but the kind of extraordinary work that's been going on in repairing things rather than throwing them away. And also the story of plastic, which, again, it's about the environment, but it's about how we can be doing things better. And rather than just being a bit preachy and a a lecture, through the power of film, it's it's going to be stimulating and exciting. Well, that's a fantastic festival all lined up there. And as a reminder for our listeners... The dates of the festivals again are what, Andy? 4th to the 27th of March. And where can people get tickets from? www.stroudfilmfestival.org. Excellent. And are there any charity links for this year's festival? And would you like to draw our listeners' attention to them? Well, I'd like to, to do that. I'd also like to mention a particular organisation as Certainly. well, if I may. So it's not a charity, but... There's a group called Black 
Arc Media, which has started in Stroud, which and they're involved in two events in the festival. And they are a group, I guess, in the kind of wake of Black Lives Matter, but they're more about constructive and and intriguing ways forward, especially talking about race in areas that are predominantly white. And they're doing some really interesting work around that topic. But actual charities, I mentioned the Children of the Snowland. There's a charity which is called Snowland Journeys, which filmmaker Zara Balfour, who is going to be involved in the launch, she made this film and set up the charity, which is about Nepal. And it's about raising money so that children in Nepal can have better access to education. So it's called snowlandjourneys.org. They would be a charity I'd recommend people find out more about. And that's the the connection which ended up with us having a, an online Q&A with a young person who'd been in the documentary in Kathmandu. Okay, so anybody listening, please check those out. Well, Andy, I've taken up a lot of your time because I know you're busy organising, coordinating here. So thank you very much for your time and Good luck with what I'm sure will be a very successful festival, and I'm bound to run into you numerous times during the course of it. Jeff, Graham, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.